are so honored that you're here with us for season three. We want to share, connect, and grow the paper flower community with you. Welcome to Paper Talk. Thank you for listening to this episode of Paper Talk. Today's episode is sponsored by our patron, Martha Tokus. We appreciate your donation and we're excited to keep creating content for the paper flower community. If you're interested in supporting us, head on over to our Patreon page at www.patreon.com backslash paper talk and sign up as a patron. We would love to see you there. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Paper Talk. Today, we have Sean Lowe with us of the Business of Being Creative, which is a company and blog that specializes in creative businesses. Hi, Sean. How are you? Hi, Sean. You guys. Hello. Yeah. It's great to have you on. We've been listening to you talk <laughs> on Clubhouse and on other I'm podcasts. Sorry. I'm yes. sorry. <laughs> I really enjoy listening to you. you ha- you're so insightful and Thank so you. resourceful on all the information mm-hmm. that you share. And I, when I heard you off of Clubhouse with Holly Chapel, I was like, oh, our listeners need to hear more <laughs> about you. And we're so excited when you said yes to us. <laughs> oh, I'm so excited to be here. I love what you guys are doing. It's such a cool thing. So, and I love I love. The, I mean, it's the beauty of podcasting that people that care the most, listen the most, and you guys have such a great audience and great work. So I'm very, very excited to be here. Wonderful. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much, Sean. <laughs> yeah, thank you. So tell us a little bit about the business of being creative. Well, uh, it's how long do we have? We don't have, we only have a little bit of time. So I will try <laughs> to make the abridged version. <laughs> so I am your typical type A, classically trained lawyer, uh, you know, went to become an investment banker. And way back when I decided to uh, start a food business that, um, deliver dinner to people who work late. Shocking. But what along the way, you know, 9-11 happened and and had to do what I could to try to save that business. So a friend of a friend knew Preston Bailey and I was hoping to get into catering, which is a very challenging thing to do. But and Preston wasn't doing well at that time. And for those of you who don't know, Preston does really, really high-end weddings with organic flowers, so not paper flowers. And I thought that I could help, even though Preston couldn't come in and help my business, then I thought that, uh, hey, maybe I could help his and help him raise money to get out of the debt that he was in, which I couldn't do, but I figured out that I could actually run his business. So I did. And I started working for Preston oh, back in 2003. And I ran his business for about six and a half, seven years. And then along the way, I really fell in love with creative business, which is for me anyway, uh, creative business is about creating something that hasn't existed before. Even if you've done something similar over and over and over again, it's a thousandth time of you doing what's called paper flowers or whatever it would be for a client. For that client, it's brand new. And that is the invention that you're having in that moment. It didn't exist before. You can't buy it off of a shelf. And so the journey to what that is, is something I absolutely fell in love with and never looked back. And along the way of working with Preston, Preston has a dear friend named Vincent Wolf, and they talk every day, have for like the last 50 years. And Vincent is an interior designer, did not need my help to run his core business, but was getting a lot of opportunities in the interior design space. And he loved the way I thought about making deals and stuff. So I started to really split my time between Vincent and Preston and learned about everything I possibly could about the interior design business. And so by the time I started my consulting business in 2009, I had this great grounding of interior design and all things wedding and events on the other side. Um, and then it kind of blossomed from there. So anything related to events, I started the photographers and caterers and musicians I started to work with. And then anything related to design. So architects and interior designers and people who are around that space, crafters and makers of furniture, that kind of stuff I started to work with. And all in the mindset of creation and creativity and that beautiful journey from a germ of an idea to actually mm-hmm. manifesting what that is. So mm-hmm. I've been obsessed with it now going on 20 years and I'll just keep on going and going. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. You have such a broad client list. It's pretty amazing to see your experience. Yeah, it's awesome. I have to say that's what, that's kind of like my 
superpower because whenever someone says, well, that can't be done over here, I'm like, yeah, but it gets done over there. Right. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I, I'm definitely the person who is like, is constantly seeing what's going on in all of these different creative spaces. And I love it because it allows me to push and pull from all of them. Yeah. I, it's, it's really cool to have such a diverse space. And the wedding business is such a really fascinating business because hopefully we really, really get back going again. But, you know, there's actually 43 different businesses, if you think about it, that are, that take care of a wedding, right? Yeah, I mean, definitely. Um, the florist to yeah. caterer to even officiant and dressmaker. And, mm-hmm. and so all those DJ, businesses are just DJ, yes, you name it. So like, it like just goes rentals. on and on. Right? <laughs> <laughs> it just keeps going. And, and how they run their businesses and the industries they have and what they are after. It's really, it's so fun. So I, I yeah. am very grateful for all of it. So tell us, you're, you focus on creative businesses. Only creative businesses. What, what's the difference between a creative business and other businesses? Once it exists, it's a product, right? And so mm-hmm. if you think about that, and again, there's a lot of service businesses out there like accountants and lawyers and professionals that are doing, providing a service to you. So those are sort of similar, but not really. But to me, the difference between a creative business and another kind of businesses is the idea that it's a journey that you're getting paid for from let's create something that doesn't exist that's meaningful to the person you're creating it for, right? Mm-hmm. In the way of not just simple and like, oh, that's lovely, but mm-hmm. really meaningful in the sense of they'll never see the world the same way again. Once they finish doing your work, whether that's a cake or a paper flower or right. a piece of music, it's just that experience of saying, oh, okay, that's so personal to me and so really revelatory to me that I... Mm-hmm just love that. So that's what creative business to me is the journey to a thing. There are many, many amazing people that know how to market products and meaning that it exists. So that product could be a paper flower. Once it exists, it could be a painting. It could be a tube of toothpaste, right? How do you Mm -hmm. get somebody to purchase that thing? Right. Mm -hmm. Is different from what I do. What I'm doing is creating with somebody to get to what that thing is. Right. Mm -hmm. Ultimately, you wind up with a thing. Right. But it's not. It's just it's a different mentality. Mm -hmm. Mine is creative business is the journey to the thing. Right. So it's kind of like artists. Yeah. For us, it's about the process. Right. It's about the, the journey. It's about the journey. It's about the process. It's about like getting, and the end is inevitable if the journey is fantastic. How do you get your customers to understand it is about the journey? Great question. And I think it's, it's really, really hard, right? Because it requires you to really know that you're that font of creativity, right? That font of saying, hey, let me show you something that you may not have thought about before is the first part of the conversation. The mm-hmm. first part of the conversation is let's create, right? Let me create something to you. Let me show you how I see the world. And so that's how you get there, right? And you mm-hmm. start there and you make sure you get paid for being there, whether that's in dollars or that's in just acknowledgement that this is what you're doing, right? That you have to really kind of conceptualize and think about it. I, for instance, outside of the paper space, I have a client that she makes custom pillows. And so she gets a fee just to say, hey, what is it that you want me to put on the pillow? What are we doing? You know, mm-hmm. if it's not just, you know, it's not just, hey, let's put a picture of your dog on the pillow, right? Because yeah. you could do that very cheaply, mm-hmm. right? You can just silk screen it and it'd be done. It's really about her interpretation of what the animal represents to the client. And by the same token, whatever, if you're creating for a client, it's getting permission to create that thing. What do you see the advantage of sharing the behind the scenes, like your process, you get an order and you start pulling all your tools, you take pictures, you take videos, and you start sharing it with your followers on Instagram, mm-hmm. Facebook. Mm-hmm. What are the advantage of that? And should we be encouraging our oh, peers yeah, to be doing that? Yeah, 
you know, I think that it's a really, it's a challenging concept and I hope that everyone will, will, will dig in, but the, there's no reason for what you do to exist, right? It's not like somebody's life is going to be, you know, not purposeful without paper flowers, right? Yeah. They will be, of course, but like, it's not like you're, it's not like toothpaste today. If you don't have toothpaste, you're, it's kind of hard to keep your teeth clean, mm -hmm. right? So it's not a need, mm -hmm. it's a want. And so when you start from that place of want, then you realize that what's happening is that when somebody wants to, to hire you, is that they want to feel something about themselves, right? That's why they're coming to you, whether they want to give it as a gift or they want to do it for themselves. They want that feeling for themselves. So the money that they give you to do what you do is this investment in themselves. And so if what they're seeing is like how you do it and what it takes to kind of create and how it comes together, and the, that would give them permission to say when they give you the money, the energy to do that, right, then it's them investing in themselves, right? Because mm -hmm. that's what they want. So the more they know about it, then they say, I want that too. I want to be next too. I want you to do that for me, mm -hmm. right? So the more they see it, the more they want to say, oh, I will give you whatever number you need right? To do the work you do because they're going to invest in themselves to feel something, right? Because that's what they're about, right? If you think yeah. about that, you know, call it a placebo, but that's what, let's stay away from that for now. Let's just say, Hey, what do we spend our money on? There's something very famous. And I think it's a really instructive thing to know. So Warren Buffett is one of the wealthiest men in the world. He's in his nineties. He's obviously super famous and is, I think he's still, you know, number five or something like that. And he just announced who his successor is, but Warren Buffett eats at McDonald's and drives a Chevy, right? He's mm -hmm. one of the wealthiest men in the world, right? So he could afford any car he wants and he could eat at any restaurant he wants. That's what he does every single day, right? So people spend their money on what they care about, right? He mm -hmm. also happens to own NetJets and he hasn't flown commercial, I don't think for the last 40 years. <laughs> so the yeah. answer is, is people spend their money on what they care about, right? So yeah. you're showing mm -hmm. them what it is that they ought to care about when you're yeah. showing them how you do your work, how you make your flowers, what it mm -hmm. is the process of discovering how you're going to make their flowers for them. Mm -hmm. Right. I think that that is so endearing because it gives them permission to say, Hey, I want to spend money on that for myself. Yeah. I really love that. What would be the best way for our audience to be sharing and connecting with the, their customers even more besides like tagging them and saying, Hey, I'm in the process of creating your order. Just creating that excitement that they finally like they're in line. They're like getting the order because I follow some really big artists and they mm -hmm. have like a waiting list of like, okay, the door's opening. Come, come in and get your spot because I only have 10 spots for the entire year. Right. And they right. do pet portrait with embroidery. Mm -hmm which I want to do for butter, but I right. can never get, I can never get their time. <laughs> yeah. It's so amazing. Yeah. It's like, that's awesome. I'm there. I have my alarm. I'm there five minutes. I have everything ready. As soon as the door open, I put it in my cart. I'm ready to check out and it's gone. I was yeah. like, ah, oh. <laughs> how, it's just, how, do, how do you create that? Besides, you know, the I kind of like, excitement, yeah, the kind of excitement. scarcity. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Well, first of all, you have to really live your scarcity. It sounds like whoever that is, is really living their scarcity. There really is only 10. So, yeah. you <laughs> yeah. so if you're saying, Hey, there's 10, but like there's a hundred, then it's not so much. But if it really is only 10, I love that very, very much. Yeah. Right? So that's the first thing is live to your scarcity. I think that's a great point and you just made it. And I think the second thing would be to allow people to understand why you're doing something. I mean, it's one thing to see you at work and it's always fun to see a craftsman doing, doing the work of craftsmanship, but the why behind it, the intentionality behind it, what it is and sharing that. And the way to share that today to me is just so amazing. Whether it's a quick video, it's 
uh, I have a teenage, two teenagers and she likes to think she's a teenager. She's not but they just <laughs> love all things media. Right. So there's no, there's, they're, you know, constantly putting up, you know, yeah. all this different kinds of media. And I think that people love to consume really quick bites of like what you're doing and how you're doing it. And, and I just don't think it has to be any more than that. Right. So it's mm-hmm. a, even less than a minute. It's just like, okay, why do you love this? What do you see? How do you see it? And so, you know, I think that, that that's what you want people to do is to invest in you. You have to share that vulnerability of what you're creating. And then I think it becomes magic. Just like the embroidery you're talking about. Mm-hmm. I, I do have one. I hear this a lot from our audience is like, I don't know my why. I just mm-hmm. know that I love making paper flowers, but I feel like that's such a generic. I love making flowers. I feel like everyone in our group does that? How do they dig deeper yeah, and be more passionate question. about their why? Yeah. You know, a lot of people have written about it. Of course, there's that's the Brene Browns of the world and that's mm-hmm. the, um, Simon Sinek. Both of them are crazy. Brene is amazing. Yeah. I love her to death, but I really want to say it's like, you know, if, if not you, then who receives them and what do you think they feel? What do you, you know, cause people don't get your paper flowers and like, Oh, that's cool. And like throw it in the seat and go away. Mm-hmm. Right. They feel something and you want them to feel something. And what is it that you're, you know, it's easy to say, I want them to be happy. Right. But what yeah. do they want? What do you want them to take, take advantage of? And so for me, it's the why should be a lot smaller than you think. I think what happens when I hear that is that people try to make the why so big. It's like, Oh, I want to change the world with my flowers. So it's like, well, you're not going to do that. Right. Very so, ambitious. Yes. <laughs> you're probably going to change one person's mind. And if that's yeah. enough, that's more than enough. True. And and how would you want them to see the world that, you know, mm-hmm. by if just by one flower, I mean, to me, how do you do that? You just do it by one flower, right? So mm-hmm. what did they see when you crafted that? What were you hoping they would see? Right. And how would they just say, oh, I didn't think that could be done. Mm-hmm. Right. Because it's not like people I've looked a lot of the work. Right. Sometimes it's very duplicative of what's in nature. And other mm-hmm. times it's kind of playing on it. Right. And exactly. Creeping off of it. And so it's twisting the way people might perceive the world. Right. Mm-hmm. And so. And what is that for you? Right. And I don't think it has to be big. I think it has to be kind of in the smaller thing. Right. Mm -hmm. Is how somebody would be able to keep this and see not everything has to be not every rose has to be red. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And we all struggle with that because I mean, and I'm sure that a lot of you have similar discussions with your clients. We kind of as artists, a lot of times we think of ourselves as artists first, you mm-hmm. know, art comes first. Sure. And yes, it definitely should. And that's where your boundaries come in as well. But at the same time, I think some of us have difficulties. I think also mm-hmm. recognizing that, you know, you also need to make a living. You yeah. need to pay your bills. Right. Yeah. So how do you kind of combine the both so that you feel comfortable as an artist charging a certain amount and you feel comfortable as a business person because you're making enough to pay yourself? Right. That kind of staggering both like wearing both hats, I would say, and staggering both lines. I think a lot of us, especially a lot of us who are emerging artists who are just starting mm-hmm. out, really struggle with it. I, I just throw that out there in terms of how do you talk to your clients or how do you talk to creative businesses about mm-hmm. the realities of them having to pay for their overhead right. and yet not being brave enough to step up and say, you know what, this is what I need. This is what I need to pay for my rent. So I need to charge this or across all of my products or across all of my commissions. Well, I think we have to be really, really careful, right? In the sense of really deciding what it is we're doing. So if you're selling, if what you're trying to do is 
be a true kind of speculative artist, right? Then you're a true speculative artist and that's its own thing, right? Which is I'm going to sit down in my studio, craft a bunch of pieces and photograph them and try to sell them. Whether mm -hmm. I'm trying to sell them online, I'm trying to sell them in real time if I can. That's just, there's no difference between doing that in a sculpture or drawing a painting and, and trying to put it out there for the world to buy, right? Mm -hmm. On speculation. Mm -hmm. So how you do that and where you go to do that, you know, and tell your story to get somebody to want to buy a product, that's not really my forte, right? Mm -hmm. And the reason is, is because getting people to your door, having them choose what you're, what you're selling and what they're believing in and when they buy that product without really ever talking to you, right? Mm -hmm. And understanding you is its own other thing, right? And mm -hmm. so that's a challenge because the cost of production, right? For art is so small. How much did the paper cost you and your time, even if you were to value your time at a really high number, it's not very much, right? Mm -hmm. So when you try to do that, it really is the artistry that's in it that you're trying to get paid for, just like any other artist, right? Mm -hmm. Trying to sell a painting or sell something, whether that's online, craft fair, gallery, you name it, mm -hmm. right? So I think we have to leave that alone for today, mm -hmm. because that's a different thing in terms mm -hmm. of marketing a product and getting people to believe in the value of the product that was created, mm -hmm. which is never rational, but it is rational, right? So yeah. meaning that uh, there's a painting that could take an hour, right? How many times have we heard that, like, what was it? Uh, you know, Lady Gaga never takes more than 20 minutes to write a song. Never more. Right. Mm -hmm. So yeah. is, is that any more valuable than I think it took Leonard Cohen like seven years to write Hallelujah mm -hmm. and get it right? Yeah. So yeah. which is which one's more valuable? Right. So yeah. the, the it, it is what it is. Yeah. So I think today what we focus on is what is the process of creation look like? Mm -hmm. Right. What is it that you're going to do if you're doing things that are on a commission basis and people are mm -hmm. asking you to create for them just for them? Right. Then the answer to that is like you have to get what you need. Right. In mm -hmm. order to, to do that work and to get permission for that is and that really is just asking yourself how much do you want to work and how much do you want to make right so yeah. and then then what does it take you to get that money it should not be that not much harder right and obviously yeah. you know i hear this so many times it's like well i don't have the confidence and i'm just starting out or i'm just feeling you know like an imposter or whatever mm -hmm. it is and i think that that's i totally understand that and totally respect that again renee brown wrote a book, <laughs> one book about that <laughs> um, but I also think it's like compounded in the sense of like, well, when you have to say, I feel this is worth out of nowhere, right. And say, oh, I think that this is worth $500 or I think this is worth a thousand dollars or first of all, that's really super hard. Or then you have to try to like break it up. So, well, I guess my time is worth like $15 an hour. So I'll charge. And it took me like 10 hours to do this. And plus I like spent 20, you know, $20 more. So I guess I'll charge like 250. Mm -hmm. That's like really, really hard for me in the mm -hmm. sense of like, how do I value that? How do I say, well, why 15? Why not 18? Obviously with the materials and cost what they cost, but you're trying to like, just take a wild guess at things about what do you think you're worth? And if you have any issues in being an imposter, like we all do, me very much included, it just becomes <laughs> hard, right? As yeah. opposed to, all right, what do I need to live my life? You know, I'm a mom and I want to be able to, to use this money to do whatever, right? Mm -hmm. To pay for my kid's college, to Pay for daycare uh, so that I can actually do daycare so I can actually do this for myself. Mm -hmm. Right. Then and I love doing, you know, hundred pieces a year. All right. And in order to do that, I don't have any overhead and forget about what the things cost, right? Then, you know, I what I, I want to do, you know, I want I want to do really meaningful stuff. And and so 
Hey, I want to do again. I want to work hundred times a year and I need to make a hundred thousand dollars in order to do that. Cause it's a number, right? How much do I want to save a month? How much do I want to do this, that, or the other, mm-hmm. right? We all have those. We all know what we want to live our lives in. Cause I've, I've asked this question so many times and people's like, well, I just want to make a million dollars. It's like, no, you don't. Like, <laughs> exactly. It's you just hard. don't. You just know. But if I said to you like, okay, go down the list. If you could have your fantasy, I could go on vacation a couple of times a year. I could have my high-end coffee four times a week. I could, you know, go and and go out to dinner and have some fun and do all this stuff. And what would that number be? Right. And so that's Mm -hmm. your number. That's actually the life that you want to live and just divide that by how much you want to work. That to Mm -hmm. me is like, it sounds simple, but it just sounds to me so much more understandable Mm -hmm. because you're not kind of like, Oh, I guess I'm worth $15 an hour more of like, you know, I know the life I want to live and I can figure yeah. out how much that costs. Yeah. Right. And so that's the part that I'm comfortable with. I don't really like driving, you know, super fancy cars. So even if I could afford one, I'm going to buy a Chevy. Right. And, you mm-hmm. know, I'm say exactly. Yeah. Um, but, and when you do that, you come up with what is really the number. And it's mm-hmm. a lot easier when somebody says, well, okay, how much does it cost? Well, I work a hundred times a year and I want to make a hundred thousand dollars. So it costs you a thousand bucks. Plus yeah. I have to have some materials and those materials are like, you know, $200. Okay, mm-hmm. great. So it's twelve hundred dollars. Exactly. It's much easier for me yeah. to say that to somebody yeah. because it's it's truer, right? Mm-hmm. In sense, rather than I'm not really trying to just guess at my value, mm-hmm. I'm just trying to say I am entitled to. It starts with yes. I mean, a little Brene, more Brene. So we bring in Brene a lot, but <laughs> so you guys should read or listen to her book. It's amazing. Just listening to her talk is so yeah. motivational. It really yeah. makes you think. Yeah, and what I love about Brene Brown is that she is absolutely positively the mess that she's trying to correct. Right. Mm-hmm. Which is great. Cause I love, I don't like people that say, well, I have it all figured out. Let me tell you how I figured it out. She's like, yeah, I'm a hot mess. So there you go. <laughs> because we all are. I just really think that that's the part that I want to drive home to anybody, which is, you know, art is, a, it is art. Just to repeat art is not a need. It's a want. And mm-hmm. so you're the artist tasked with creating something magical and you're entitled to get what you need to do that. If you've mm-hmm. chosen to do it as it is. Yeah. And that means how much do you want to create? And how much do you need in order to do that? When you overcomplicate it with hours and trying to make things rational, there's always somebody around that's going to out-rational you, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. So better thing to do is don't rational it at all, right? Because mm-hmm. it isn't, right? Nobody needs what you do. So yeah. live there and say, I know you don't need it, but you sure do want it. <laughs> that beautiful embroidery 10 times a year. <laughs> yeah. That's what I need. So exactly. hopefully that does answer some of the questions. Yeah. I was wondering, another question that popped in my mind was as you put this out there for your clients and you start getting people coming in and saying, hey, I want your product. What kind of flags should you be aware of when it's a wrong client for yourself. So you're putting it out there. Here's my numbers. Here's what I need to do to make a living and pay my mortgage, my rent, Mm -hmm. my utilities. But then this other customer comes in and says, Hey, I want to buy your things. What things should you be alert for to know that you're not the right fit? And that experience, when you take on that order, you just know it's going to be a bad thing. When you get people that are trying to pretend to be you and don't Mm -hmm. want, don't want to allow you to be you. Mm -hmm. And so like inevitably you show somebody kind of what you're thinking, what do you want to create? And then they say, well, how about this? And how about that? And what about this? And oh, that's a lot of money for paper. Can we like maybe get (laughs) like a little cheaper paper? Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, wrong so, client, everybody, wrong client. <laughs> because there's there's not there's not just one way. It's not like there's only one paper 
that you use and there's not only yes. one technique and there's yeah, not, yeah. and there's ranges and there's what kind of, what kind of work do you want to have and what kind yeah. of craftsmanship do you want to bring to it? It's, it's all a range, right? And yeah. so there's beautiful stuff. If it's like, you know, if what you're wanting to do is just to cut above, do it yourself and trying to get, make your clients feel that they're really doing it. I think that's just, I think that's one of those things where you just want to let go of it, right? Because I don't mm. think that, that a client really wants that. And the mm -hmm. ones that do, they're kind of frustrated artists who are sort of kind of talented, but sort of kind of not. And so if they're going to come there, they, you know, as much as it feels like they are not going to, they just kind of have an agenda to knock you down and to challenge you and, and to push you. And remember the, the scariest place to be for me is that if you're really doing something that's just a, a want and not a need, right? Mm -hmm. And somebody then turns that into what, well, if, what if it was a need and to make it more serious about them, what it is, then the whole thing gets corrupted because they just start to, you know, they start to take you out of the beauty of it all. Right. So mm -hmm. they're like, Oh, don't, I don't like that. I like this, or I don't want this. I want that. And this is too much. And that's too much. And you feel like, well, then I have to try to make you happy. Right. Mm -hmm. And the people pleaser and all of us comes out yes. and then you're lost because here it is. They're just taking you out of the very process of creation and that beautiful exposition that is now gone because they just want to, they want to live in their own uncomfortability. Right. Mm -hmm. And they want to make sure that they're not comfortable. And if they can't rationalize it or talk it, talk their way into it, they're not mm -hmm. going to give you the permission to yeah. keep going. And those are the red flags. How do you flip it? So you, so you meet, you do the discovery call and you find like they, you're a good match. But then as you go through the process even deeper, they start changing their mind. How can you take control of the situation where you hired me and you should trust me to make this happen? How can you phrase it in such a way that they feel confident that you're going to make the best bouquet that they initially hired for you and that you all agreed upon? You know, I think it's a really interesting point because I think it's such a hard way that we live our life today. The most times people hire you because they see the end, right? So they saw the beautiful work you did in the end. They know that you can do beautiful work. And so they're like, I want that too. And meanwhile, you're creating something just for them. And so there's that dichotomy of like, are you selling me a product mm -hmm. or are you selling me this journey? And so I think the way to answer your question specifically, it's about really realizing that you have to have mechanisms to leave, like you're climbing a mountain, right? And so, <laughs> like an out clause? <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. Pretty much an out clause. Like, and but so be paid for all the work, right? That you did before. Well, yeah, because yes. what happens is like you're, you're so instead of getting permission to, so instead of saying you're paying me all the way to the top, Mm -hmm. Right. And give me all the money you're paying me to the top. So which would be as if you were on an airplane, but you're not <laughs> and you're hiking. Uh, you're going on a hike oh, straight mm -hmm. up. Right. And so there's base camp one, there's base camp two, base camp three and then four and then the top. Right. And so at every base camp is like a check in. It's like, are you good? Are you mm -hmm. ready to keep going? Do you want to keep going? OK, you're too tired. OK, you can go back down. And we stop, <laughs> right. Yeah. No matter what. And so obviously it's easy to say at one to stop, but when you're at four, you're almost there. Yeah. It's a lot harder. But if you always have that discipline, it's like, you're not paying me to get to the top. You're paying me to take the next step. Mm. If you don't want to take the next step. We're good. Right. Yeah. And that you just lose the ego of saying, we're just, we have to finish. Mm -hmm. yeah. Right. Because sometimes the price of finishing is, is worse than finishing. Yeah. Right. So if you get paid to take the next step and you're really comfortable with taking the next step mm -hmm. and that's what matters. Right. So for instance, I never have in any advice I ever give for a contract. And so former lawyers here, yeah. right? I never <laughs> have late fees. I don't believe in late fees. Mm -hmm. I don't believe in late fees. And the reason I don't believe in late fees are something very, very simple. If you have a late fee in your agreement, it means you still have an agreement. Mm -hmm. 
still going on. If you just pay, mm-hmm. you know, we keep going. I actually don't want that, right? I yeah. want to tell you that you're done. We don't yeah. have an hard agreement stop. anymore. Mm-hmm. You're hard stop. We're finished. Yeah. You've paid me for where we are. I, unless you pay me for all of it, my art is my art. And even yeah. if you pay me for all of it, you just get to use it. You don't get to own it. Yeah. Right. And so my art that is. And so what you're doing is saying, Hey, we're doing this work. The only thing you're doing after a certain point is just saying yes and giving me money. Right. Mm-hmm. And so if you say no and don't give me money, we don't have an agreement anymore. Mm-hmm. And so that's really the answer is I don't get paid yeah. to get to the top. I get paid to take the next step. Yeah. And then I take the next step. And then once mm-hmm. I take the next step, then I take the next step until mm-hmm. we're done. Right. Yeah. It's a lot easier and simpler. And if you don't like the idea of, you know, climbing a mountain, think of your business as climbing stairs. Right. Yeah. And how painful uh-huh. it is. You know, if you left, you know, you left a dollar on the first stair and you go climb to the top of the 30th stair, it's kind of not so fun to go back and get the dollar. Right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's a great way yes. of explaining that. But I do like the step metaphor uh, because we hear a lot of stories and a lot of the questions that we do get from our peers is about, and I call them boundaries because for me, they're boundaries of what I'm willing to, what is part of our contract? What is mm-hmm. part of our agreement? Those boundaries. We often get stories about people saying, well, you know, I'm almost done the bouquet, but now she's asking for more. Right. She's asking for it to be changed a different right. color. Or, right. And I'm like, how did you get yourself into the situation? Right, yeah, oh my God. <laughs> but it's yeah. re- realistically, it oh, happens. Yeah, a lot. A, yeah, exactly. A lot. And especially, and you know, some of it might be <laughs> because you know, personality wise too. Some people are just much more okay with changes. Okay with, you know, it's because we have a relationship with our client. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we kind of think that our relationship is something that is like, what can I say? We can't differentiate between our personal relationships and our business relationships. Exactly. That's a great point. That's very accurate and Mm -hmm. and very accurate. And I think that it's, you're talking about something really profound to me because personal relationships are, we're all parents. I think all, all of us are parents. And so, you know, how many times of being like, wow, I really don't want to get a bad, get out of bed today. I really just don't want to. And then your little one comes in and says, hi, I would like breakfast. And <laughs> you're, you're like, okay. That's you're... a really nice way of saying it. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, you're well, right? well, so there yes. you go. And so <laughs> yeah. it doesn't really matter how you feel. Thanks for sharing. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to step up and be a professional and do that yeah. in that way. You're a professional parent in that moment. Yeah, I don't think there's anything different in running mm-hmm. a business, but in deep personal relationships. Yeah, I don't feel like getting out of it. It's your husband saying like, that's good for you. No, whatever it might be. Right? I'm not so, your mom. <laughs> I'm not your mom. You go do, right? I'm already a mom, not to you. Yeah. So, I think there's no difference when it comes to creative business like that, right? Which yeah. is the idea that you're a professional and that willingness to be the professional, to know answers is, is actually gives you clarity that the response that comes back to you is actually not relevant, right? So mm-hmm. I like to give this example a lot, keeping with the kid theme, right? So yeah. in the time of COVID, I don't think many parents have, they have succumbed to electronics, right? You want an hour mm-hmm. of peace, go and play on your iPad. Now, <laughs> yes. okay. And then what, then when you say, well, maybe an hour of iPad time is way too much. And so tomorrow I'm going to cut it back. What you know that's going to come back to you is not like, mm-hmm. oh, mom, you're so wise and so smart. I just, <laughs> I understand. We wish. <laughs> I'm going to throw a tantrum, right? Oh, yeah. But, but oh, my yesterday. God, no. Like, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I get that. <laughs> but yet you do it anyway because you know better. Right. Yeah. You know, you're you're wise here. And yeah. I don't mean to call clients children, but in this sense, they are because mm-hmm. they don't know what you know. Right. They can't possibly know what you know. Mm-hmm. And so their reaction to what they don't know is nice. And uh, I'm, I'm sorry they're upset. But at the end of the day, I can't care. 
right? I can't mm-hmm. care that yeah. you've decided after telling me what you want that you're going to change your mind. I yes. can't really care because you're costing me mm-hmm. my creative process, right? Exactly. So my answer to you is no, and that's going to hurt you and make you angry. And for the most part, we people pleaser us doesn't want, don't want that to happen. Yeah. And so what happens is we just try to accommodate. And the, what I always want to do is poke a hole at that accommodation because to what mm-hmm. end you're trying mm-hmm. to accommodate them so that they appreciate you and like you, except yeah. you've just, what you were saying mm-hmm. before is that you've just un, un, undone the boundary. And so mm-hmm. now they're untethered. And now yeah. they're like, what are you talking about? I don't yeah. understand. And so the idea of this is that you have to be able to draw that boundary in the sense mm-hmm. that they're that accommodation that you're giving and the hope that you're going to get more respect is actually doing the opposite. Mm-hmm. And so if you thought about that, like making that change, doing that work, indulging somebody who doesn't know is going to make it better would be like mm-hmm. saying, oh, I know you want to watch the iPad for an hour and a half. And if I let you do that tomorrow, there's not going to be an iPad. Yeah. Like, like, <laughs> Good with that and then tomorrow yeah. they're like how come i can't have two out yeah they're like well because i told you and they're like yeah no you didn't really tell me because you gave me an hour and a half yeah right so that's the whole point of it all which is that yeah you're going to you're not going to accomplish what you want to accomplish you don't step up and be the powerful person in the Right. I was going to say, Sean, you use the word training. I used to use the word training for my for my clients as a family lawyer. And I learned this from my mentor. And at first it was like training, but it really is about training your clients to learn, to, to understand the expectations, because like yes. you said, they don't know what you know. Uh-huh. And so they're going to come in here being freaked out that let's say their wedding is in a month and they've decided to change their color last minute because their mother-in-law wanted something blue in it or something. But them not knowing what you know, that you spent, I don't know how many hours in it, thinking about this entire process from start to finish. Mm-hmm. Executing is like the last part, really. It's just, it's mainly just the thinking about thinking. Sit me there and just thinking. Exactly. <laughs> I talk about the this all planning the time. I sit there and I just think for like, right. you know, how many hours. Yeah. But yeah, I love that you use the word training. What other things do you think that we need to train our cust- or our customers and our clients about in a creative business? Well, I, I think you hit on it. It's expectations, right? And the idea of what the first thing that you have to train clients on and training not as in being patronizing, but training as in education yeah. is, is that because we all need training, right? Is to know, to be able to separate out what you cost from what it costs, right? Yeah. So what it is, is what it is. And that profit, however you design it, meaning that really the, the, the vibrancy of what you, you get is from what you call, right? Mm-hmm. And the return is what it takes to take it out of your head and put it wherever it needs to be, right? Mm-hmm. And so whether that's an event or that's in somebody's house or, you know, if that's just onto a shelf, right? It makes no difference. Mm-hmm. And the first thing you want to train somebody to do is like what I, what you invest in me as the artist is different mm-hmm. from what you invest in in order to make that happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you start from, because if you don't start from that place, then it all gets kind of mishmash. Well, you're making so much money because it's the most expensive paper, don't you know? I'm like, <laughs> well, yeah, because if I rip a piece and I don't spend the time, then yeah, I, it's going to be even more. Mm-hmm. So it takes me twice as long to work with more beautiful paper because it's that much finer uh, yeah. to do the work that I want to do. So yes, it does cost you more. Yes, I charge you more for my time, but that's not where I make my money. Where I yeah. make my money is what it costs me to create it in the first place. 
Exactly. Right? Um, yeah. But it cost you for me to create it in the first place. Yeah. yeah. Which actually that came up. We had a discussion about wholesale mm-hmm. before. And my opinion is I never do wholesale because no. I don't have a wholesale cost. But yeah. people do ask for wholesale paper flowers all the time. Mm-hmm. What's your response to that? Well, I think it's really, really hard. And it's like, you know, because what you're taking is that's a step behind a gallery, right? So at least with a gallery, you as the artist have some sort of say in how your work is displayed, right? Mm-hmm whether that's online or physical, once you go to wholesale, you have no ability because a wholesale means that they, they own it. Right. Mm -hmm. And so if they want to put it upside down, you know, in the back, they can do that. If they want to feature it when someone walks in, they can do that. And I don't know about that when it comes to the artistry that goes into what gets created because it becomes very blurry then, right? Mm-hmm. Of what is it that's being showed off? Are they showing you off as your artistry? They're showing off the art itself and what's their position and where does it play and how does it play? And so that to me is a tougher place. I personally would never have a wholesale price, right? So if they need to, to have whatever they need to have, I would have the now. My, I guess my retail price would be the same, right? So if I'm going to have yes, my own yeah. retail price and their hotel price, I would make them charge the same retail price and then try to figure out a number that I can. I think it's really interesting. I think a lot of our followers are confused about how they calculate their wholesale, still make money, but also setting the expectation of retail where they're priced in a certain way. Yeah. If they've already figured out like, this will make my mortgage. But when you right. do wholesale, it's a whole nother ball game. You have to do so much more and you yeah, really have to I'm, readjust your retail price. It's very difficult for a creative if you don't understand the business behind doing your numbers. Well, and the other part that I look, I, again, I'm never about getting into somebody's doing what they're doing. But then remember, a wholesale game is a factory model. Right. And yep. so a factory model is a factory model, which means I sell it for as much as I can and I make it as cheaply as I can. Right. Mm-hmm. And the within within a sphere of quality. And so mm-hmm. if that's really not your game, if you're really not the person that's trying to make, you know, as many much as, as much of you can as your product and make it all the time. And you have people working for you that are just like doing that over and over and over and over again. And that's the kind of work you want to do. Then what are you really doing? Because you actually don't have a factory. You don't, meaning in the sense that you're not trying to make all your money by making it as cheaply as possible and mm-hmm. selling it for as much as you can. That's what yeah. factories do. So you're breaking that in the sense that, you know, the paper, the fine paper and the craftsmanship necessary. If what you're saying, and that again, I'm not a no expert whatsoever. In fact, not even a novice. But if I could go and say, hey, if you use a certain quality of paper, it takes twice the time. Well, if you're wholesaling, you shouldn't use that quality of paper, right? Because if you could get away with using a little lesser quality, spending a little less time, right? With a little less risk of ripping, then yeah, you should do that. Mm-hmm. Right. Because that'll help you with wholesale. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, it's going to eat you your soul as an artist because mm-hmm. you as an artist want to use the fine paper and spend the time you need to spend. Right. Mm-hmm. So you're at a tough spot. Right. You're in a really tough yeah. spot. Mm-hmm. I only do wholesale for my kit because right. I'm not <laughs> making anything. It's just right. turnover. It's right, right. a much better margin. Once exactly. you get the base down, yeah. you can mark it up a certain way. And it's, you know, how much it is. Right. I, I highly encourage that and not selling individual blooms because it's so much harder on the yeah, artist no. itself. Yeah. No, yeah. yeah. Well, Sean, thank you so much for being oh, on our so podcast. Fun. Oh, so much fun. I loved I, it. Yeah. I wish we could talk longer because I feel like we have <laughs> yeah. so much more questions. So we're, we're definitely going to have to ask you to come back. Oh, I can't wait. Uh, yes, yeah. anytime, anytime you want.
I'm yeah. really excited. Before you go though, can I just, uh, I, I know that you have a membership mm-hmm. and it's called the BBCC membership. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So for those in the wedding business that really want to change the way we do things in the wedding business, I run a mastermind group called the BBC collective. Uh, dot com. Um, and we're not more than 20 right now. We're about 12, 13 and all sorts of businesses in the wedding sphere. So caterer, photographers, planners, uh, you name it, DJs and renderers, you name it. Um, and so it's really about this group of trying to challenge the way we do things, right. And trying to upend, you know, some of the practices that are out there and see what we can do to really take advantage of what's coming. Cause what's coming is this huge wave of let's get back to weddings um, exactly. and let's get back to events and let's get back to gathering, which is means a lot of work for a lot of people, which I'm so grateful for. So I run that group and we're trying to be very much uh, in the moment of what do we do? Right. And mm-hmm. how do we, how do we take things and make things different? And so it's a wonderful group and I really in three years, June. So it's really, it's really awesome. That's amazing. Yeah. And before you head off, tell us what is your favorite drink? And when you're working, do you listen to anything? Can you watch TV? Do you watch the news? Well, I can't. While I'm working, I can't really do anything because either I'm writing something (laughs) um, or recording a podcast. So clearly can't be listening. Um, But I'm obsessed with podcasts. Yes. (laughs) All podcasts. And my favorite drink is like, I just am a straight up Americano guy. I see Americano every day and that's what I do. So I'm, I'm very excited to to have that every day and, and like, okay, my little respite. Um, yeah. We all have a favorite place to get it, right? Everyone has yes. a favorite place. And if you love Starbucks, great. And Starbucks isn't my place. So I have like my little local place and I feel like I'm doing well by them. So there we go. Yeah, definitely. I love that. Well, thank <laughs> you so much, Sean. This was so much fun talking to you. Yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad. Thank you so much. We loved picking your brain. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much. If you're looking for a way to support us, please hit subscribe and write us a review. We would appreciate it so much. You can also support us as a patron on patreon.com. Your contribution would help us continue to create great content for you and the paper flower community.